When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome. This is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And oh, hi, it's me, your host, the only voice to ever greet you, Liv. (laughs) Ovid, Ovid, Ovid. 
We love a sometimes problematic man, right? Back today with another reading of Ovid's Heroides. This time, the only full account that we have for the myth of Hero and Leander. Surprise, surprise that I'm here with this, right? Last week, I shared with you the story itself, the history behind it, how long standing it is, and yet how the only detailed version we have is from so late in the period, in Ovid. And then I shared the brilliant and fascinating episode I recorded with Dr. Karen Carr. Professor Carr shared with us not only more about the myth of Hero and Leander, but also how their story of swimming, Leander swimming to his lover, Hero, reached all over the world, be it coincidentally or otherwise. Who knew that there was so much to say about the ancient art of swimming? Fucking fascinating. It was only right to continue on with this thread of Hero and Leander with an actual reading of Ovid's Heroides, because you all know how much I love most of Ovid's Heroides. Still, these are particularly important because unlike most of the others, they don't accompany another version of the myth itself. As I already told you, we certainly know that the myth of Hero and Leander existed before Ovid, because we have some vague references in texts and visual representations, but we don't have an actual story written down or having survived of these two beyond Ovid. As if I don't say it enough, the fragmentary nature of mythology is simultaneously the most interesting and the most frustrating thing in my life. I love it. It's so wild to think about. I hate it. All I want to do is know what the full stories were. (sighs) How I flip and I flop. In any event, what we do have of Hero and Leander are these Heroides, and so here I am to read them to you in their entirety. Like the Heroides of Helen and Paris, these are sometimes referred to as the double Heroides, because they're couplets. They're couples with each of the characters getting their own letter, getting to speak from their own voice, and interact in a way that the singular Heroides, like Medea and Hypsipyle, don't really get to. Not that we really want to hear from Jason anyway, but... So, we begin today with Leander's letter to Hero. This is Ovid's Heroides, translated by Grant Showerman, number 18, Leander to Hero. He of Abydos sends to you, maid of Sestos, the greetings he would rather bring, if the waves of the sea should fail. If the gods are kindly toward me, if they favor me in my love, you will read with unwilling eye these words of mine. But they are not kindly, for why do they delay my vows, nor suffer me to hasten through the well-known waters? You yourself see how the heavens are blacker than pitch, and the straits turbid with winds, and how the hollowed ships can be scarce set sail upon them. One seaman only, and he a bold one, he by whom this letter is brought to you, has put out from the harbor. I had embarked with him, but that, as he loosed the cables from the prow, Abydos all was looking down on him. I could not evade my parents as before, and the love me wished 
and the love we wish to keep hidden would have come to light. Forthwith, writing these words, Go, happy letter, I said, Soon she will reach forth for thee her beautiful hand. Perchance you will even be touched by her approaching lips as she seeks to break your bands with her snowy tooth. Speaking such words as these in lowest murmur, the rest I let my right hand say upon the sheet. But ah, how much rather would I have it to swim than write and eagerly bear me through the accustomed waves. It is more fit, I grant, for plying the stroke upon the tranquil deep, yet also apt minister of what I feel. It is now the seventh night, space longer than a year to me, that the troubled sea has been boiling with hoarse-voiced waters. If in all these nights I have had sleep soothe my breast, may I be long kept from you by the raging deep. Sitting upon some rock, I look sadly on your shores, carried in my thoughts to where in body I cannot go. Nay, my vision even sees, or thinks it sees, lights waking in the topmost of your tower. Thrice have I laid down my garments upon the dry sand, thrice naked have I tried to enter on the heavy way, the swollen billows opposed to the bold attempts of youth, and their waters surging upon me as I swam, rolled over my head. But you, most ungentle of the sweeping winds, why are you bent on waging war with me? It is I, O oh, Boreas, if you do not know, and the waves against whom you rage. What would you do, were it not that love is known to you? Cold as you are, can you yet deny base wind that of yore you were aflame with Actian fires? If, when eager to seek your joys, someone were to close to you the paths of air, in what wise wouldst you endure it? Have mercy on me, I pray, be mild, and stir a more gentle breeze. So may the child of Hippotes lay upon you no harsh command. Vain is my petition, my prayers are met by his murmurings, and the waves tossed up by him he nowhere curbs. Now would that Daedalus could give me his daring wings, though the Acarian strand is not far hence. Whatever might be I would endure, so I could only raise into air the body that as often has hung upon the dubious wave. Meantime, while wind and wave deny me everything, I ponder in my heart the first times I stole to you. Night was but just beginning, for the memory is charm for me when I left my father's doors on the errand of love. Nor did I wait, but, flinging away my garments and with them my fears, I struck out with pliant arm upon the liquid deep. The moon for the most shed me a tremulous light as I swam, like a duteous attendant watchful over my path. Lifting to her my eyes, be gracious to me, shining deity, I said, and let the rocks of Latmos rise in your mind. Endymion will not have you a stare of heart. Bend, oh, I pray, thy face to aid my secret loves. You, a goddess, did glide from the skies and seek a mortal love. Ah, may it be allowed to me to say the truth. 
she I seek is a goddess, too. To say not of virtues worthy of heavenly breast, beauty like her falls to none but the true divine. After the beautiful face of Venus and your own, there is none before hers. And that you may not need to trust my words, look yourself. As much as the, all the stars are less than your bright fires when your silvery gleam goes forth with pure rays, so much more fair is she than all the fair. If you do doubt it, Cynthia, your light is blind. These words I spoke, or words at least not differing much from these, and was borne along in the night through waters that made way before my stroke. The wave was radiant with the image of the reflected moon, and there was a splendor as of day in the silent night. No note came anywhere to my ears, no sound but the murmur of the waters my body thrust aside. The halcyons only, their hearts still true to beloved cakes. I heard in what seemed to me some sweet lament. And now my arms grow tired below the shoulder joint, and with all my strength I raise myself aloft on the summit of the waters, beholding far off a light. It is my love shines in yonder flame, I cried. It is my love yon shores contain. And straight the strength came back to my wearied arms, and the wave seemed easier to me than before. To keep me from the chill of the cold deep, love lends his aid hot in my eager breast. The nearer I approach, and the nearer draw the shores, and the less of the way remains, the greater my joy to hasten on, when in truth I can be seen as well as see. By your glance you straightway give me heart and make me strong. Now, too, I strain in my course to pleasure my lady and toss my arms in the stroke for you to see. Your nurse can scarce stay you from rushing down into the tide, for I saw this, too, and you did not cheat my eye. Yet, though she held you as you went, you could not keep yourself from wetting your foot at the water's edge. You welcome me with your embrace, share happy kisses with me— Kisses, O oh, you great gods, worth seeking across the deep, and from your own shoulders you strip the robes to give them over to me, and dry my hair all dripping with the rain of the sea. For the rest, night knows of that in ourselves, and the tower that shares our secret, and the light that guides me on my passage through the floods. The joys that that dear night may no more be numbered than the weeds of the Hellespontic Sea. The briefer the space that was ours for the theft of love, the more we made sure it should not idly pass. And now Aurora, the bride of Tithonus, was making ready to chase the night away, and Lucifer had risen forerunner of the dawn. In haste we ply our kisses all disorderly, complaining that the night allows brief lingering. So tarrying till the nurse's bitter warnings bid me go, I leave the tower and make for the chilly shore. We part in tears and I return to the maiden sea looking ever back to my lady while I can. Believe me, it is true, going hence I seem a swimmer, but when I return, a shipwrecked man. This, too, is true, will you but believe, 
Toward you my way seems ever inclined. Away from you when I return it seems a steep of lifeless water. Against he wish of my heart I regain my own land. Who could believe? Against the wish of my heart I tarry now in my own town. Ah, me, why are we joined in soul and parted by the wave, two beings of one mind but not of one land? Either let your Sestos take me or my Abydos you. Your land is as dear to me as mine is dear to you. Why must my heart be troubled as often as the sea is troubled? Why must the wind, slight cause, have power to hinder me? Already the curving dolphins have learned our loves, and I think the very fishes know me. Already my accustomed path through the waters is well trod, like to the road pressed on by many a wheel. That there was no other way open than this was my complaint before, but now, because of the winds, I complain that this way too has failed— the sea of Athamas's child is foaming white with immense billows, and scarcely safe is the keel that remains in its own harbor. Such were these waters. I judge when first they got from the drowned maid the name they bear. This place is of evil fame enough for the loss of Helle, and though it spare me, its name reproaches it. I envy Phrixus, whom the ram with gold in its woolly fleece bore safely over the stormy seas. Yet I ask not the office of ram or ship, if only I may have the waters to cleave with my body. I need no art, so only I am allowed to swim. I will be at once ship, seaman, passenger. I guide myself neither by Helike nor by Arctos, the leading star of Tyr. My love will none of the stars in common use. Let another fix his eye on Andromeda and the bright crown and upon the Parhassian bear that gleams in the frozen pole. But for me I care not for the loves of Perseus and of Liber and Jove to point me on my dubious way. There is another light far surer for me than those, and when it leads me through the dark my love leaves not its course— while my eyes are fixed on this, I could go to Colchis, or the farthest bounds of Pontus, and where the ship of Thessalian pine held its course, and I could surpass the young Palaimon in my swimming, and him whom the wondrous herb made suddenly a god. Often my arms grow heavy from the unceasing stroke, and scarce can drag their weary way through the endless floods. When I say to them, no slight reward for toil shall be yours, for soon you shall have my lady's neck to hang about. Forthwith they take on strength and stretch forward the winning of their prize. Like the swift steed let go from the alien starting chamber, and so I myself keep eyes on the love that burns me and guide myself by you, made worthy rather of the skies. For worthy of the skies you are, yet tarry still on earth, or tell me where I also may find a way to the gods above. You are here, yet your wretched lover has but small part in you, and when he see grows turbid with, my heart is turbid too. Of what avail to me that the billows are not broad that sunder us? Is this brief span of waters less an obstacle to me? 
I almost would that I were distant from you the whole world, so that my hopes were far removed, together with my lady. Now the nearer you are, the nearer is the flame that kindles me, and hope is always with me, not always she I hope for. I could almost touch her with my hand, so near is she that I love, but off, alas, this almost starts my tears. What else than this was the catching at elusive fruits, and pursuing with the lips the hope of a retreating stream? Am I then never to embrace you except when the wave so wills, and shall no tempest see me happy? And though nothing is less certain than the wind and wave, must winds and water ever be my hope? And yet it still is summer. What when the seas have been assailed by the Pleiad, and the guardian of the bear and the goat of Elenos? Either I know not how I rash I am, or even then a love not cautious will send me forth on the deep. And, lest you deem I promise this because the time is not yet come, I will give you no tardy pledge of what I promise. Let the sea be swollen still for these nights, and I shall essay to cross despite the waves. Either happy daring shall leave me safe, or death shall be the end of my anxious love." Yet I shall pray to be cast upon yonder shores, and that my shipwrecked limbs may come into your haven, for you will weep over me, and not disdain to touch my body, and you will say, of the death he met, I was the cause. You are hurt, no doubt, by this omen of my death, and my letter in this part stirs your displeasure. I cease, no more complain, but that the sea too may end its anger. Add, I beseech your prayers to mine. I need a brief space of calm until I cross to you. When I shall have touched your shore, let the storm rage on. Yonder with you is an apt shipyard for my keel, and in no waters rests my bark more safe. There, let Boreas shut me in where tarrying is sweet. Then will I be slow to swim, then will I beware, nor cast revilement on the unhearing floods again, nor complain that the sea is rough when I fain would swim. Let me be stayed alike by the winds and your tender arms, and let there be double cause to keep me there. When the storm permits, I shall make use of the orage of my arms, do you only keep ever the beacon light where I shall see? Meanwhile, my letter in my stead be with you throughout the night. I pray to follow it myself with least delay. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, Millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. 
Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I love these works. They're just so beautiful and lovely. And now that we've got Leander's side of the story, his feelings for a hero when he can't reach her because of the storm and his plans, how he's traveled to her every night, we'll turn to Hero herself and what her feelings were, how she tells her side of their story. This is Ovid's Heroides number 19, Hero to Leander. That I may enjoin in very truth the greeting you have sent in words, Leander, O come. Long to me is all delay that defers our joys. Forgive me what I say. I cannot be patient for love. We burn with equal fires, but I am not equal to you in strength. Men, methinks, must have stronger natures. As the body, so is the soul of tender women frail. Delay but a little longer and I shall die. You men, now in the chase and now husbanding the genial acres of the country, consume long hours in the varied tasks that keep you. Either the marketplace holds you or the sports of the supple wrestling ground, or you turn with bit the neck of the responsive steed. 
Now you take the bird with the snare, now the fish with the hook, and the later hours you while away with the wine before you. For me who am denied these things, even were I less fiercely aflame, there is nothing left to do but love. What there is left I do, and you, O sole delight of mine, I love with even greater love than could be returned to me. Either with my dear nurse I whisper of you and marvel what can keep you from your way, or, looking forth upon the sea, I chide the billows stirred by the hateful wind, in words almost your own, or, when the heavy wear has a little laid aside its fierce mood, I complain that you indeed could come, but will not, and while I complain, tears course from the eyes that love you, and the ancient dame who shares my secret dries them with tremulous hand. Often I look to see whether your footprints are on the shore, as I, the sand, would keep the marks impressed on it, that I may inquire about you and write to you. I still am asking if anyone has come from Abydos, or if anyone is going to Abydos. Why tell how many times I kiss the garments you lay aside when making ready to stem the waters of the Hellespont? Thus, when the light is done and the night's more friendly hour has driven out day and set forth the gleaming stars, straightway I place in the highest of our abode my watchful lamps, the signals to guide you on the accustomed way. Then, drawing with whirling spindle the twisted thread, with woman's art we beguile the slow hours of waiting. What, meanwhile, I say through so long a time, you ask? Not, but Leander's name is on my lips. Do you think my joy has already come forth from his home, my nurse, or are all waking, and does he fear his kin? Now do you think he's putting off the robe from his shoulders and now rubbing the rich oil into his limbs? She signs assent, most likely, not that she cares for my kisses, but slumber creeps upon her and lets her nod in her ancient head. Then, after slightest pause, Now surely he is setting forth on his voyage, I say, and is parting the waters with the strokes of his pliant arms. And when I have finished a few strands and the spindle has touched the ground, I ask whether you can be midway of the strait, and now I look forth and now in timid tones I pray that a favoring breeze will give you an easy course. My ears catch at uncertain notes, and at every sound I am sure that you have come. When the greatest part of the night has gone by for me in such delusions, sleep steals upon my wearied eyes. Perhaps, false one, you yet pass the night with me, though against your will. Perhaps you come, though yourself you do not wish to come. For now I seem to see you already swimming near, and now to feel your wet arms about my neck, and now to throw about your dripping limbs the accustomed coverings and now to warm our bosoms in the close embrace. And many things else a modest tongue should say not of, whose memory delights, but whose telling brings a blush. Ah, me, brief pleasures these, and not the truth, for you are ever wont to go when slumber goes. Oh, more firmly let our eager loves be knit, and our joys be faithful and true. Why have I passed so many cold and lonely nights? Why, O oh tardy loiterer, are you so often away from me? 
The sea, I grant, is not yet fit for the swimmer, but yesternight the gale was gentler. Why did you let it pass? Why did you fear what was not to come? Why did so fair a night go by for naught, and you not seize upon the way? Grant that like chance for coming be given you soon, this chance was the better, surely, since t'was the earlier. But swiftly, you may say, the face of the storm-tossed deep was changed. Yet you often come in less time when you are in haste, Overtaken here, you would have, methinks, no reason to complain, and while you held me close, no storm could harm you. I surely should hear the sounding winds with joy, and should pray for the waters never to be calm. But what has come to pass, that you are grown more fearful of the wave, and dread the sea you before despised? For I call to mind your coming once when the flood was not less fierce and threatening, or not much less— when I cried to you, be ever rash with such good fortune, lest wretched I may have to weep for your courage. Whence this new fear, and whither has this boldness fled? Where is that mighty swimmer who scorned the waves? But no, be rather as you are than as you were wont to be before. Make your way when the sea is placid, and be safe. So you are not only the same, so we only love each other, as you write, and that flame of ours turn not to chill ashes. I do not fear so much the winds that hinder my vows, as I fear like the wind your love may wander, that I may not be worth it all, that your perils may outweigh their cause, and I seem a reward too slight for your toils. Sometimes I fear my birthplace may injure me, and I be called no match, a Thracian maid, for a husband from Abydos. Yet could I bear with greater patience all things else that you have linger in the bonds of some mistress's charms, see other arms clasped round your neck, and a new love end the love we bear? Ah, may I rather perish than be wounded by such a crime, may fate overtake me ere you incur that guilt— I do not say these words because you have given sign that such grief will come to me, or because some recent tale has made me anxious, but because I fear everything. For who that loved was ever free from care? The fears of the absent, too, are multiplied by distance. Happy they whom their own presence bids know the true charge, and forbids to fear the false. Me wrongs imaginary fret, while the real I cannot know, and either error stirs equal gnawings in my heart. Oh, would you only come, or did I only know that the wind or your father, at least no woman, kept you back? Were it a woman, and I should know, I should die of grieving, believe me, sin against me at once if you desire my death. But you will not sin against me, and my fears of such trouble are in vain. The reason you do not come is the jealous storm that beats you back. Ah, wretched me, with what great waves the shores are beaten, and what dark clouds envelop and hide the day. It may be the loving mother of Helle that has come to the sea, and has lamenting and downpouring tears the drowning of her child. Or is it the stepdame turned to a goddess of the waters, vexing the sea that is called by her stepchild's hated name? This place, such it is now, is an aught but friendly to tender maids, by these waters Helle perished, by them my own affliction comes. 
Yet, Neptune, weren't you mindful of your own heart's flames, you ought let no love be hindered by the winds. If neither Amimini nor Tiro but much bepraised for beauty, our stories idly charged by to thee, nor shining Alcyone and Calique, child of Hecation, nor Medusa, when her locks were not yet twined with snakes, nor golden-haired Laodice and Calino, taken to the skies, nor those whose names I mind me of having read. These surely, Neptune, and many more, the poets say in their songs, have mingled their soft embraces with your own. Why, then, do you, who has felt so many times the power of love, close up with whirling storm the way we have learned to know? Spare us, impetuous one, and mingle your battles out upon the open deep. These waters that separate two lands are scant. It befits you who are mighty, either to toss about the mighty keel or to be fierce even with entire fleets. Tis shame for the god of the great sea to terrify a swimming youth. That glory is less than should come from troubling any pond. Noble he is, to be sure, and of famous stock, but he does not trace his line from the Ulysses that you do not trust. Have mercy on him and save us both. It is he who swims, but the limbs of Leander and all my hopes hang upon that self-same wave. My lamp has sputtered, see, for I am writing with it near. It has sputtered and given us favoring sign. Look, nurse, is pouring drops into the auspicious fires. Tomorrow, she says, we shall be more, and herself drinks of the wine. Ah, do make us more, glide over the conquered wave. O oh, you whom I have welcomed to all my inmost heart, come back to camp, deserter of your ally love. Why must I lay my limbs in the mid-space of my couch? There is naught for you to fear. Venus's self will smile upon your venture, child of the sea, the paths of the sea she will make smooth. Oft I am prompted myself to go through the midst of the waves, but tis the want of this strait to be safer for men. For why, though Phrixus and Phrixus' sister both rode this way, did the maiden alone give name to these wide waters? Perhaps you fear the time may fail for your return, or you may not endure the effort of the twofold toil. Then let us both from diverse ways come together in mid-sea, and give each other kisses on the water's crest, and so return again, each to his own town. Twill be little, but more than naught. Would that either this shame that compels us to secret loving would cease, or else the love that fears men's speech. Now, two things that ill go together, passion and regard for men, are at strife. Which I shall follow is in doubt. The one becomes, the other delights. One had Jason of Pagasai entered Colchis, and he set the maid of the Phasis in his swift ship and bore her off. Once had the lover from Ida come to Lacedaemon, and he straight returned together with his prize. But you, as often as you seek your love, you, so often you leave her, and whenever tis peril for boats to go, you swim. Yet, O oh, my young lover, though victor over the swollen waters, so spurn the sea as still to be in fear of it. Ships wrought with skill are overwhelmed by the wave, do you think your arms more powerful than oars? What you are eager for, Leander, to swim is the sailor's fear. 
"'Tis that follows ever on the wreck of ships. "'Ah, wretched me, I am eager not to persuade you to what I urge. "'May you be too strong, I pray, to yield to my admonition. "'Only so you come to me and cast about my neck "'the wearied arms often beaten by the wave. "'But as often as I turn my face toward the dark blue wave, "'my fearful breast is seized by some hidden chill.' Nor am I the less perturbed by a dream that I had yesternight, though I had cleared myself of its threat by sacrifice. For, just before dawn, when my lamp was already dying down, at the time when dreams are wont to be true, my fingers were relaxed by sleep. The threads fell from them, and I laid my head down upon the pillow to rest. There, in vision clear, I seemed to see a dolphin swimming through the wind-tossed waters, and after the flood had cast it forth upon the thirsty sands, the wave, and at the same time life, abandoned the unhappy thing. Whatever it may mean, I fear, and you nor smile at my dreams nor trust your arms except to a tranquil sea. If you spare not yourself, spare the maid beloved by you, who never will be safe unless you are so. I have hope, nonetheless, that the waves are broken and peace is near. Do you cleave their paths while placid with all your might? Meanwhile, since the billows will not let the swimmer come, let the letter that I send you soften the hated hours of delay. Ovid's heroities are just so interesting. And now there are some of them, I'm not 100% sure which ones, but it, it's sort of debated about which were written by him and which might have been written later. I think these couples might be some of them, but it's just fascinating. For one, that this, this set mentions the other sets, the Helen and Paris. <sighs> anyway, it's just fascinating. Also that the tragedy isn't in this at all. It's just about their re relationship. Ugh. I fucking love reading this stuff aloud. I've been so thrilled to have so many incredible authors and scholars to speak to lately. But honestly, it's also just really nice when I have a good excuse to do some reading episodes like this one and like the series I've started on Tuesday's episodes <sighs> just for a few weeks while I run through some of the wildest ancient literature. And while I, in the present, because I am recording this very far in advance, while I am in the present I'm wandering the island of Samothrace, researching for my novel and hopefully getting some real work done on it. <sighs> so I'm recording these long before they'll actually air, which is always a bit off for me, but wonderful just to be able to do it. Just reading these can be so very fun. Feeling these characters more directly, channeling their voices and the ancient sources, and Ovid's voice specifically as he wrote them because his is so unique. I honestly just love it so much, and I love the fact that you guys love when I do this. It's just such a thrill. I mean, same for the conversations, but I do love to have a bit of both, because who knew reading stuff aloud could just be so, so much fun? Uh, I love it. Stay tuned for more on travels and the more things I learn while I'm over there, and also thank you for listening. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is written and produced by me, Liv Albert. Michaela Smith, the wonderful 
the the Hermes to my Olympians runs the YouTube account where episodes are being uploaded and captions are being added for greater accessibility. Michaela also handles promotional images, research, some editing, and so, so much more. The podcast is hosted and monetized by Acast. So with that, I leave you. Thank you all. You're the best. I love my job so much and so much more that you all have helped me to be in Greece again, and particularly on Samothrace, an island that I am so, so obsessed with as I continue to write what is now a, again, totally different novel than even when I started this podcast, if still featuring my beloved Cadmus and Harmonia, because you know I'll never let them go. Stay tuned. When I'm back, I'll tell you all about this wild and incredible island in the farthest northeastern reaches of the Greek world. I am Liv, and if you can't tell, I love this shit very much. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. 
Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.